Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Tis the season for trades. So that's going to be the main focus of today's episode. We have a couple of news bits to get to, but then we're going to talk all about the top players who are most likely to get traded. So going to be a lot of fun. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane, joined by Keith Smith. Find him at Keith Smith NBA. Before we dive into anything, though, huge thank you guys. Our subscriber numbers are going through the roof. If you haven't done so yet, please make sure you do subscribe. We're so appreciative of all the support that we've gotten. We're seeing real growth this month. Things are really taking off. And again, so appreciative of everybody who's been joining us and all of the kind words that we've been receiving in our comment section as well. Yeah, big time. Um, very, very cool. Uh, also noticed a little uptick in our reviews on the podcast side. So those are appreciated as well if you're a podcast listener. So thank you guys so much for for all the support. It's a uh, it's absolutely incredible. And and Trevor, I can I can hear a little 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 bit more upbeat in your voice today. I'm guessing Austin Reeves has something to do with that. Yeah, man. three little letters <laughs> H B K. Little sweet chin music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Austin Reeves, and it was. It was fortuitous because I happened to interview him the day before. I saw that. Um, and yeah. so so now people are saying, oh, well, now you have to interview every Laker because clearly that's <laughs> just the bit of magic that gets them to have a huge game. I said, hey, I'm not going to fight that. I will not fight. I think that's a yeah, great idea. But sure. uh, but no, just a very cool moment and and very cool for such a, a great kid to have an opportunity like that and to have that kind of because that's. I mean, that's the biggest moment of his career so far. That's probably the biggest sure. moment of his basketball playing days. So to see somebody have that experience is always fun. And then, of course, when it's on your team, that makes it all the more exciting. And, and what's you know, wild is it was as great as it was, second best uh, buzzer beater uh, of the night. Did, did you see the, the Pelicans Thunder? I saw, Tell Pelicans, me you saw it. The... Did you see what happened at the end of the game? No, I saw so, Brand, I saw Brandon Ingram dunk all over them, but no. So the all right, so we'll run through it very very yeah. quickly here. So the the Pelicans were up one ten to one oh seven with like twenty seconds left or something. It may be even less. It might have been uh -huh. like ten. And uh, the Thunder inbound to to SGA. They looked like the Pelicans tried to give the foul up three, so he'd have to go to the free throw line. He throws it in from about forty feet to tie the game. Pelicans have no timeouts. They inbound to, I think it was Devontae Graham. I hope I have that right. Devontae Graham proceeds to hit. It was Devontae Graham proceeds to hit about an 80 footer to win the game from the backcourt. I'm watching uh, it right now. That's bonkers. No, he makes this shot. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Both shots. Like two just wild shots that, that, you know, uh, well, one end. So, uh, yeah, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was in, also, uh, the best play of the night was probably Isaac Okoro dunking all over that. everyone. Man. That was pretty nasty. So yeah. Incredible uh, stuff there. But yeah, it, I was, I was lost in our post game show at that point when that happened. So I, <laughs> I definitely I figured, missed that. Yeah. I thought you might not have seen it yet, but yeah, that was, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, crazy finishes last night. And this is, this is why, why we love the game. I, right. it's so funny. I said to someone the other day, they, they were like, do you like it more when the Celtics play or when they don't play? And I said, that's a good question. Sometimes when they don't, because then I can just bounce around and watch right. a whole bunch of different things and, and all that. Whereas when they play, I'm you know dialed into their game. But uh, you know, by by the time they they finally get back on the court tomorrow on Friday, it'll have been uh, they haven't played for the last three days, including tonight. So it's that by then I'll be ready for 
the game and to cover a game like normal and all that. But yeah, it's uh, you know, the NBA. It's fantastic, as they say. Speaking of the uh, the Celtics, Danny Ainge. Now with yes. the Utah Jazz, shocker, right? That he's with the Utah Jazz. No <laughs> surprise there that that it's Utah. In fact, I yeah. think we talked about this. Uh, I believe it was last week that if he was going to go anywhere, it was probably going to wind up being Utah. But now taking over in kind of an advisory. I don't know what the exact title is, but he is in a role with the Utah Jazz, acting as somebody that they can kind of bounce ideas off of and that sort of thing. And I saw you respond on Twitter that now it's okay to laugh at the at the joke that <laughs> that they will be this close to getting something yeah. done. But uh, but yeah, Danny Ainge now joining the Utah Jazz. Yeah, it's it makes a lot of sense. It's it is a little interesting that it's not just as an advisor. Like he he's gonna run the basketball ops, but he's not gonna have to do the full day to day stuff. Right. So like he's just gonna be. Sounds like it's uh, basically Ryan Smith as the owner, then Danny Ainge in the power structure in the organization. So Ainge will have the uh, final say on different things that they do. Um, I also said that uh, it'll be nice because now he can trade Donovan Mitchell to the Celtics, and uh, you know because that, that's what. <laughs> Former yeah, Celtics people do a so, Garnett situation. You know, take it, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that'll be fun and uh, reunite him with his with his uh, best buddy from the bubble, Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now that's exactly how it should go. And then uh, credit to the Jazz fans who are like, yeah, that'll be nice, Jalen Brown in Utah. We'll, we'll really appreciate that. Or if you took it as fine, that's fine. Give us Jason Tatum. So, uh, yeah, so just a little bit of fun there. But yeah, it's. It's not unexpected. I think we knew Danny Ainge would get back at this mm-hmm. eventually. I mean, this is well, what he does. So it's, uh, you know, now he's doing it at home. He had moved back to Utah uh, short within weeks of uh, stepping down from leading the Celtics basketball up. So not not at all a surprise that he's, um, you know, going to be running the Jazz. Maybe the surprise comes in just that he's, you know, really running things on the basketball side. That, that, that maybe is a little bit of a surprise, but... I yeah, mean, he's, he's overseeing things, but he still has a general manager. He still has, yes. you know, he's got like, he's involved, but my sense is he's also not, it's not like he's running everything because he wants to, I mean, yeah. you know, health wise, like you don't want him to be taking on the stress of the every no, single sure. day. Yeah. And so I like that he's got that kind of authority, but at the same time, he also, it feels like he's got the ability to step back as well. Exactly. Like, I don't think he's going to be making a ton of scouting trips right. and things like that. But but I, I think it'll probably be, you know, more and more colleges are doing the deal where they, they swing through Las Vegas and play like a set of games yep. there. So my guess is, you know, the Salt Lake City uh, trip to um, Las Vegas is actually a pretty short one. So my guess is he makes that trip, probably can hit up some of the schools out there on the West Coast uh, fairly easily from from uh, Salt Lake City. So, yeah, the, that'll be what it is. I just think, yeah, the daily grind, that that's not going to be a thing for him. Uh, then we've got the Pacers make a, a move, sign a player to a contract, Terry Taylor. So just transaction-wise, that's something that that happened. I mean, not a major noteworthy event or anything like that, but but something that the Pacers did do. Yeah, Terry Taylor's been playing great in the G League. Uh, he was with the Pacers in training camp. They're they're making a little bit of a different move. They they need a little bit more size. They they feel as though they've got their their backcourt covered. So Jajon. 
uh, Dijon Giroux was the two-way player that they waived. Uh, you'll start seeing two-way moves start happening now. Uh, G League season's well underway. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys who teams don't want to lose to another team on a two-way or lose on a 10-day or just a full call-up, uh, they'll start making their moves there. And the two-ways were less than a month till till those need to all be uh, locked in and you can't make any more two-way adjustments. So we'll start to see those start happening uh, here probably in greater numbers, especially as we come out of the G League Showcase, which is going to take place next week. All right, so let's get on to our our trades. We're going to talk about, we each picked, well, we were going to pick five (laughs) players that were most likely to get traded. And knowing that our lists would probably have some crossovers, we each did more than five. Keith apparently did like 35. I (laughs) I think I've I've got like eight or something on my list. Um, So Keith, why don't we just start off with Jalen Brown, right? That's, that's the, that's the go-to, right? Yeah, 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 no (laughs) doubt. No, Jalen Brown's not on my list. If he's on your list, we can have a whole different conversation. No, no, no. I saw what you put out on Twitter though, that you checked around on a potential uh, Jalen Brown trade. Yeah. So there's been a lot of stuff out there about Jalen Brown. We'll talk about this real quick. Um, Just different places saying, you know, yeah, it's did Boston's ready to split him and Jason Tatum up and Brown's the one who's more likely to go than Tatum and, you know, all these, these things out there. But when you read all those quotes, it's really kind of interesting where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And so I was asking a bunch of, bunch of people, you know, Hey, what, what have you heard? And one, uh, one, uh, front office executive from another team, it's not Boston, uh, summed it up pretty good to me. And he said, look at where all those quotes are coming from. They're coming from other teams. They're not coming from Boston. He goes, that says to me, everybody wants to trade for Jalen Brown, but the Celtics probably don't really have any uh, desire to move him. Mm -hmm. And that's been my feeling all along. I think it's, as we always say, consider the source. Where does the news come from? And, you know, where is that? So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where this goes. Uh, One one other thing, just – um, well, you know what? We'll get into it because he may be on our list here of uh, players we think might get traded. But can I make a rule? Sure. No Ben Simmons. It's too he's, easy. He's the top of my right. list, but I knew we were probably going to eliminate him. Yeah, so too too easy. So we'll take him him off the list. Uh, just you know, and we're Lord knows we've we we could have just called this the NBA Ben Simmons show right, <laughs> for yeah. a while there. So we'll we'll take him him out and spare everybody that one, and let, let, let's go. You go first. We'll, okay. We'll, you, you and, and maybe this is a, an obvious one just to kick things off, but I'm going with Miles Turner. It feels like at this point he's been in trade rumors for ever. Basically, every single yep. year we've been hearing Miles Tr- Turner trade rumors. You've got the little you know verbal spat with the Pacers, and then you throw in that the Pacers are now willing to apparently enter a, a quasi rebuild. They're willing to go down that path. It seems like the writing is on the wall for Miles Turner to get moved. I know there's a lot of talk about Domitas Sabonis. But if I'm the Pacers, that's not the guy I'm moving. Yes, he will get the most interest. But if I have to pick between the two, I'm sending out Miles Turner. And I think there will be enough interest in him, particularly as we get closer to the trade deadline, for him to be moved. Uh, Where he winds up, I don't know. But I do think that at this point, Miles Turner's days in Indiana Indiana are limited. Yeah, I thought that was... um... Interesting because what I put on my list was what we heard uh, in the end. I believe it was Shams who had the initial reporting yeah. of Turner or Sabonis. Um, so I, that, that I kind of put them together as sure. like a, a package of or because I do think one of the two gets moved. I, I just think, I mean, 
now I've been <laughs> saying this since since we started recording this show that it's time to to break those two up and, and it clearly didn't happen. Um, but what I was going to add a little earlier, which I thought was really interesting, was um, we had uh, two reports, Kevin O'Connor and Matt Moore. So Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, Matt mm-hmm. Moore from The Action Network, both said Sabonis wants out of Indiana. Uh, both, uh, you know, with that, uh, Kevin O'Connor was, he straight wants out. He does. And then Matt Moore's was, I was told, uh, it's not just this season, but going back to last year, Sabonis was looking for a change of scenery. Scott Agnes, who covers the Pacers and has for years says that's false. Um, so who knows? Well, we'll see. We get a little, little source off going on there, uh, with that one. But yes, I, I, so I'll take, I'll, I'll take your agreement or I'll, take your agreement i will agree <laughs> with you on turner um and i will add some bonus um kind of is the or because i do think one of the two goes if the if you're the pacers though and you're sitting back and you're thinking okay we're going to rebuild re- whatever it is that, that you want to call it whether they're going to try to stay good or good enough to get into the playoffs or whatever we can go down that path later but right now if i'm the pacers and i'm looking at this situation I'm keeping Sabonis. I'm doing what I can because that's Mm. your piece that you're going to build around moving forward. What I don't want to do if I'm the Pacers is just say, completely blow it up, trade everybody, unless you have some really incredible offers out there. Like we talk about what the Magic got for Vucevic. Sure, you had a great offer, and so you take it, and so you do the full rebuild thing. I don't know if the Pacers want to go down quite that route. Um, And and that is kind of evidenced by the Turner or Sabonis. And if I have to pick one of the two of them, I will take a lesser package for Turner rather than trade Sabonis and maybe get a little bit more back because I think Sabonis is that much more valuable. Yeah, it's interesting because I think you and I are in agreement there, but I think we might be in the minority for a lot of other people around the league. Mm. I think a lot of people see Turner as the more valuable because what I think they see out of that is he's more plug and play. You can basically fit him in anywhere right because he's a stretch big who can block shots like that's kind of what a lot of teams want at the five position where Sabonis is a little bit more you got to put him in and you're gonna have to build a system around him on both ends uh, an offense that that highlights his strengths and then a defense that covers for his weaknesses so I think think that part gets a little bit more difficult but I just think Sabonis is the better player of the two. So I I would rather stick with, with Sabonis if it was me, but yeah, I I do think, you know, that, that is interesting. And I think, um, I think in some ways though, Turner being more plug and play for more teams gives you a wider trade market. Cause I think there's there, there might be fewer teams. So I think he's probably slightly more, uh, going to be the one who goes than Sabonis. And I think Sabonis is one of those guys then, cause, cause we're in full agreement Indiana's not blowing this up and rebuilding. It's yeah. not going to be get rid of everybody and start over. They're looking at, we'll still have Brogdon because again, Malcolm Brogdon can't be traded uh, this year before the deadline. So they'll at least have him and Sabonis plus whatever they get. Maybe TJ Warren comes back right. and now we're rebuilding along with Chris Duarte, uh, their prize rookie. And you just kind of go, go from there. Um, I'm going to stick with the top of my list. I'm going to stick right there in Indiana. I think Karis LeVert goes. Yeah. I think they have now seen what they needed to see, how to carry Slavert. And I think they would rather have the ball in the hands of Brogdon, Sabonis, Warren when he gets back, and Duarte versus the kind of eat up possessions, high usage play of Karis Levert. Yeah. And I like Karis Levert. I just don't 
necessarily think that's a great fit for that uh, Pacers team just because of the way he he plays. It's um, it's almost a little bit like Victor Oladipo when he was at the height of his um, you know, ability for Indiana. And I think they've they've seen their other players grow enough that you don't need that kind of guy necessarily uh, eating up all the possessions. So I do think we're going to see Karis LeVert get moved. I agree, and I think that you could see in terms of his market, um, you could see a number of of contending teams talk themselves into this guy is the bench scorer that we need to come in. This is the guy who can come in and give us a big boost uh, with our reserve unit. I think that he's got the talent certainly to be a starter, but there's enough teams out there to, to widen the market because contenders aren't going to look at him and say, this is a guy that has to start, but he could be a nice complimentary piece for them. But you could also get some of the mid-tier teams interested who might use him in a starting role as well. And at 17 and a half million, I think that's a low enough salary to where teams are going to mm-hmm. be able to get there money-wise. So I think he will have a pretty wide market. So I agree. I think he gets moved. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's, let's keep moving. Let's, let's, let's do it. And so just to kind of explain kind of what, what we look at in these situations, we're trying to look for players in situations that just don't really fit. That's where you tend mm-hmm. to see trades happen. When you find a player who an, an aging player on a rebuilding team, a young player on a contending team, things like that, that's usually the recipe for a trade. And then you have a lot of other factors in where's the team at in the standings. Where does, uh, what's, what's the player's situation contractually? There's lots of other things. Is the contract movable? That's always a big, big one. Yep. And so that's what we're looking at when Keith and I are going through and we're looking at who's likely to be traded. Those are the factors that we look at. And one of the guys that jumps off the page to me, when I am looking at things like that, it's Derek favors with the Oklahoma city thunder. Oh, wow. Not on my list. Not on your list. Okay. He is, he is not a great fit, maybe a buyout candidate, potentially, but this is a guy who I think does get moved. I think there's enough teams who could probably use somebody as we see injuries start to mount and things like that as we get closer to the trade deadline. And I think the Thunder will be very motivated to trade him because what's he doing on a rebuilding team like the sure. Thunder anyway? They're going to get to try to recoup any value they can for him. So if there's a trade out there for him, I think the Thunder will gladly pull the trigger. Yeah, I, I think. I think that's one where OKC side of it, no doubt, yeah. they they would move on from him without a question. I think it becomes that ten point two million dollar player option challenge. for next year. That's a little bit of the challenge. But if you're looking at it and saying, "Hey, we need a big to push mm-hmm. us over the top," that's not a number that's going to scare you off if you're a t- team that can get to that that number fairly easily for nine point seven this year. Then the 10.2, you, you kind of say, all right, we'll bring him in, see where it goes. If he really pushes us into contention for something good, then you really don't care about paying the 10.2 next year, or we'll just deal with it next season. That's not such a big number. Mm-hmm. We can't get off it. Uh, you know, uh, there's <laughs> if the trade rules didn't uh, exist on reacquiring players, you could just call back OKC and say, hey, you want him back? Um, <laughs> right. You know, because they're probably willing to do that if you'll throw him a pick. But yeah, it's that that's an interesting one. I, I did not have him on my list. I'm gonna go go to a different veteran big man. Okay. Um, I'm guessing he may pop up on your list because I'm not exactly going uh, crazy here. But that is young. He is the next um, player on my list. <laughs> yeah, I, I just this one is it's only hesitation i have is the spurs just don't do in-season trades right. but i think this may be one where the spurs kind of break that that track record because someone is going to offer them something decent whether it's a top 20 protected first round pick 
uh, two good second round picks, Mm -hmm. a young player who needs a change of scenery, something, some team that needs a front court player that's trying to lift themselves into the postseason is going to, I think, offer the Spurs enough to make it worth jumping at this versus just buying him out. I, a hundred percent, he will not be on the Spurs by the end of February. Um, if he's not traded by the trade deadline, he'll get bought out. He's just he's not playing there. Uh, there's no role for him for from the Spurs side, um, really, or Thad Young side. But when he has played, he showed he still has mm-hmm. the ability to help a team. So I, I think he gets moved at some point. Agreed. Yeah, Thad Young definitely on my list, and somebody that where it just makes too much sense for him to mm-hmm. to not get traded. All right. Um, another thing that we look at is we look at where is there pressure for for a move to be made, right? That's what we're going to look at. Where's there a lot of buzz? Where's there this 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 push for something to happen? And you look at a place that really needs something to happen, and that is Portland. So I'm going to say C.J. <laughs> McCollum finally right. gets moved again. This is something we've been hearing about for years, but Portland is starting to really feel the heat. We've been hearing all these different rumors. Damian Lillard might push back against some of them every now and then, but there's no question that Portland would like to contend. CJ McCollum, we did get some positive news health-wise in terms of his collapsed lung is getting a bit better. I think he's a very talented player. I think he's got value around the NBA. Is it enough? That's the question mark. Is there enough value around the NBA for Portland to say, yes, this piece that we're getting is going to be the thing that's going to push push us over the top? But I think they're getting to the point where they have to do something, where inactivity is not going to cut it anymore. And so I do see C.J. McCollum getting moved. Yeah, I like that one. I cheated and just wrote Portland. <laughs> just Portland. Um, <laughs> just Portland. Everybody in Portland. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, they're turning the whole city away. Um, but yeah, no, I just – I think we – I feel really confident saying Dame's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, maybe this summer if things really go sideways and he decides he wants out, but uh, not at the deadline. Norman Powell, I feel really confident not going anywhere because he's got the long-term contract. But Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, I think both of those guys, uh, very tradable, $12 million for Nurkic, $12.9 million for Covington, uh, both expiring contracts. And then, yeah, I think uh, McCollum is, is a good call. I still wonder if C.J. McCollum is involved in a Ben Simmons trade that gets Simmons to Portland, but CJ doesn't necessarily go to uh, Philly. Maybe there's a third team in there that that's where Philly gets their assets from that they're looking for. Um, So I I do kind of wonder about that. I think Larry Nance, very tradable, 10, 10.7 10.7 this year, 9.7 next year. Uh, that That's a, a deal that could get moved. So I just think Portland's going to do something. Uh, new interim general manager, by all accounts, has the green light to make moves and trades and everything else. A lot of people think that may be his job uh, there. So if they're going to let him do that, you might as well take advantage and you know start moving pieces. Well, and this is that's actually important because most of the time when you look at interim GM and you say – Okay, well, this guy, he probably doesn't have the authority to make a big move because he they don't know if he's going to be the guy moving forward and all that. But if they're telling him, go ahead, right? If yeah. you, we give you permission to make this big move, then you kind of need to make a big move to prove yourself, sure. right? This is mm-hmm. your chance. This is why a lot of times when you're working for a company and a new, new boss comes in, new ownership, there's all those changes because they have to be able to show, look, this is what I did. This is why I was mm-hmm. worth bringing in we might see a similar situation in Portland where now it's become more likely that a move gets made because this new guy's coming in and, and has that interim title right now and needs to prove himself. 
Yeah, and I don't think uh, trading Cody Zeller on his minimum salary to a team <laughs> that needs a big cuts it. Right? No, I, no, no. I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I just, I, I couldn't decide who I wanted to pick. That's why I sure. wrote the whole, <laughs> the, the whole team uh, down. So, all right, my next one. I think Tomas Sadoransky gets moved okay. by the Pelicans. Uh, Ten million dollar expiring salary doesn't really have a full need there for him Mm -hmm. uh this one changed is maybe a little bit with uh the injury to kira lewis because they ball handler around um on that side but i i just think this is a guy who you could see them move on from uh because he's probably not going to be back there next year uh he's kind of struggled to fit in there the way i think that they would like him Mm -hmm. or they maybe envisioned him uh when they did that trade uh so yeah i I think that there's a chance you know some team throws again this is not going to be a big return this is probably two second round picks or something like that or maybe a young player who really needs a change of scenery and and they won last night on the buzzer beater. They've been playing a little bit better, but Zion's not coming back anytime soon. This team's probably not really going anywhere. I think this may this is the kind of get rid of the vet move that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we talk about teams that get pushed from in, into one position or another, or another, either buyer or seller. Heading into the season, we may have said the Pelicans would wind up being a buyer because they were going to try sure. to make a push this year. Oh, now, sure. I feel like as time goes, with each passing day, they become closer and closer to being a seller. Right now, 15 games back in the Western Conference, currently sitting in second to last place behind, or just in front of the Thunder, who are organizationally are not trying to win. Um, (laughs) So the Pelicans are in rough shape right now. I mean, the Houston Rockets right now are ahead of, of the Pelicans. So yeah, they, I think they're going to be pushed into seller mode and Sadoransky makes a lot of sense there. Yeah, I think it would be different if it was Zion's coming back because I think mm-hmm. you could say, "Oh, right, we started to play a little bit better. We could get, we can maybe get into that play in and then make a run there." But yeah, if Zion's not going to be back till you know at this point, I feel really confident saying until well into the new year, you know, maybe February ish. There's a lot of people who think he he doesn't come back at all uh, this season. So you know, well, let's let's see where that goes. But that's a conversation we can have on another day. So, Keith, this next one, there's a couple more that I think are very obvious, but I'm going to save those ones right now. And I'm going to go to one that I think is really interesting um, and kind of difficult because of the contract. And that's Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon with the Rockets. <laughs> You're going to go to Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to Eric Gordon. <laughs> Russell Westbrook. I had Eric Gordon on my list. Uh, okay. So here's here's my thing. So contractually, $18.2 million this season, $19.5 million next season. Uh, not fully guaranteed, but twenty point nine million the following season. Like that's you're committing some real money here mm-hmm. to Eric Gordon. You've got to be convinced that this is the guy. And I don't know if you can say that he is. I mean, if you're a, if you're a team right now and you're looking for shooting, certainly Eric Gordon is one of the better options out there. But could you find somebody that costs a lot less than what he does? Mm-hmm. Probably. And so, and at thirty, he always going on thirty three. He's going to be thirty three here on Christmas. I don't know if I want to be the team paying him next year or potentially the season after that. However, he's shooting 45% from three right now. Like he's incredible in terms of his, his efficiency at the moment. Now, is that sustainable? Probably not, but he's still probably the best shooter that's out there on the market. Unless of course the nets go ahead and they do move Joe Harris. So I'm torn in terms of what the Rockets get for Eric Gordon, what the interest is around him. I know they're going to be a motivated seller. He's playing great in terms of his shooting efficiency. 
teams are going to be interested in that. But the contract is the only thing holding me back from saying this is a full go, 100%, he gets moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you felt good that he was going to be healthy all the way into a playoff yeah. run that you hope goes into May or June, if you're a contender, yeah, you're, you'd grab him without even thinking about him. You'd move on because of the production. He's also not just a shooter, right? Like he's a guy uh, who can do some scoring off the dribble, uh, can get to the basket a little bit. So that that also helps uh, his overall profile. But yeah, you're right. It's that it's the contract. In the way that final year is structured, this is where it becomes kind of interesting if you're uh the opposing team. So it's fully non-guaranteed at 20.9 million. So you can effectively be out of it for nothing Mm -hmm. unless Gordon makes the all-star team this year or next year. Well, that's not going to happen. I feel very confident in that. Or the team he is on wins the championship in 22 or 23. If you're a contender, (laughs) you're, you're right. You're presumably acquiring him to, to go win a championship. Yeah, absolutely. But then if you do, now we got to pay him $20.9 million when he's, what, 35 years old. So right. that becomes a little bit more of a, uh, where are we at with this? So, yeah, that is, uh, you know, that's just something you have to factor in. But, again, if you're winning a championship, you you do all sorts of things that you can you know, write off. Because at that point, a lot of times fans are like, hey, whatever. I don't care. You know, pay him whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. So, so yeah, I, I, I had Eric Gordon on my list. I'll add another mm-hmm. rocket if I can. Daniel Tice. Oh, I good just, one. It, it, that that contract was always set up to be pretty tradable. It even we've talked about it before, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But it was a weird signing to begin with. Um, he's now more or less out of the rotation when when they're healthy. So yeah, I just I I think there's a good chance he gets moved. And the, there's there's three things contenders are always looking for at the trade deadline: bigs, shooting. And backup point guards, always there. There's always a home for those three somewhere. By the time you get to the deadline, sometimes it's an injury happens that opens up that need, or just the team is like, yeah, we we like this. So I think that I, I think the Rockets are in a spot where they could maybe. I, I would have said a year ago, they're gonna have to pay to get off the Eric Gordon contract. Yeah. Now I think you you know might get. It's not going to be a great return, more because of that extra year uh, next year that that's on there. Uh, and the same thing with Tice. You're not getting any kind of crazy, incredible return, but you know maybe again a couple second round picks, something like that, that that could could uh, you know maybe help you along a little bit. Uh, moving on to another one of the the obvious ones, I think Marvin Bagley. Please, yep. for all of us, for all of <laughs> yeah. us, just. Just move on. It's time to get this done. It's time for Marvin Bagley to be on the move. That's that's going to be what's best for him. That's probably going to be what's best for the Sacramento Kings. It's, I mean, we can go back and, and relitigate the draft and everything like that and talk about how who they should have picked and everything. But sure. bottom line is they didn't. Um, but it, things have not worked out in Sacramento, and I think it's going to be best for all parties involved to part ways. Uh, and I, I think that there are teams out there that would take a chance on him and kind of a second draft ish scenario where you say, okay, he's still young enough. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. There's teams that'll be interested. So Marvin Bagley, I think should be on the move. Yeah. If you're, if you're any one of those rebuilding teams, why not? Right. It's not yeah. certainly not going to cost you anything. You might as well uh, make that happen. So yeah, I had him on my list. So speaking of rebuilding teams in a shooter that may cost less than Eric Gordon, Terrence Ross, uh, I think the, the Magic are going to move on from him. Um, I think it is interesting that there's some reporting out there that they want 
they want a, at least a first round pick and maybe two. Well, that's not happening. Um, he's not not that impactful of a player. Uh, there's also not going to be teams that have that big of a need for Terrence Ross. But that could be one where maybe you could convince a team to give you a top 20 protected first or something like that. Mm-hmm. If if they really are like, all right, we, we can do that because this is a you know top eight, nine rotation player for us moving forward. Um, but again, this might be one of those returns similar to Evan Fournier where it's uh, a couple of, uh, you know, second round picks or something along those lines, a very easily move movable deal. Uh, like Gordon, he does have two years fully guaranteed left 12.5 this year than 11.5 next year, but it's just enough less money that I don't think anybody's really going to blink at taking that kind of salary on. Yeah. Yep. That's a good one as well. Uh, I'll, I'll go right back to Sacramento and say Buddy Heald. I mean, they already had him traded this last offseason. He thought he had been traded and that he was a Laker. Uh, and then it didn't wind up happening at the last minute. The Russell Westbrook thing went down instead. I think and there's another one where writing is on the wall in Sacramento. Buddy Heald, I would imagine, will be will be moved by the trade deadline. Yep. I'll go back to Orlando. Robin Lopez. A uh, $5 million expiring contract. I think that that is a, a big man who can play. I uh, can really, you know, still still do some stuff defensively. Offensively, he's he's a good screener. He's a pretty good passer. He's somebody you can occasionally throw the ball into in the post on second units and let, let him do some work. So I just, it was kind of weird. But that one may be one where he's like, I don't really want to go anywhere. He very much wanted want wanted to and still wants to be here in Orlando. Uh, you know, big, big, big Disney guy actually lives on property at Walt That's Disney right. World. Um, so, yeah, so I think that is a, uh, you know, maybe that factors in and they don't really want to move him. And I know they love the work he's been doing with uh, – Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba, the team's young bigs. So they they maybe the Magic don't have a lot of interest, but that could change if, you know, some teams like, man, we really need a big man. Because at five million dollars, that's something every team can get to fairly easily. Keith, obviously we could talk trades all day, but let's wrap here by talking about some of the major markets that haven't really been mentioned yet, um, sure. including ours. And uh, and I also want to get to Golden State, but let's start with New York. The Knicks, uh, they're kind of, we talked about how teams that are that are put in a position where there's some pressure to do something. Is yep. there a move here for, for them to make? Because we didn't have any of their players pop up, but it feels like they're a team that would be motivated to get something done. Yeah, I think, the, so a couple things going on with the Knicks is one, right? They've really slid in the standings yes. uh, recently and that they're like uh, so many right other now. teams. Yeah. And so many other teams that they're, they're starting to go through uh, COVID uh, issues that they've got a handful of guys out right now. So um, they're eight games out of first, but they're, they're only three games out of six in the last playoff spot. Uh, so it's, I, I, I still want to think they would go the other way first, where it be would be uh, they, they, they'd be a buyer ver- mm-hmm. versus a seller. Um, but all their contracts are set up to be movable. They 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 kind of created a two year window for for themselves um, here with, with all these deals and then team options, uh, true team options for most of the guys that they signed in the summer of twenty twenty three. So. Yeah, I, I just I tend to think they'd be more on the buyer side because I just don't think they see themselves as, hey, let's start selling off. Because if you are going to sell, you're not going to get all that much for 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 any of the guys that they'd be selling. I mean, you, did, you know, maybe some team likes Snarlins and Well, somebody you know maybe wants Derrick Rose, but I just don't think you're getting a ton of um, you know interest in those guys. Do they do they move Kemba Walker? 
Almost, and, and I think not, they'd like to. Not, yeah, but not expecting even to get a huge return. Just as, just to kind of maybe. do him, do him a solid at this point. Yeah, maybe if a team comes up with a need for either you know a, a veteran starter who can mm-hmm. come in at the point guard spot or somebody to just at that point you can kind of. Uh, watch you know bounce around you know uh, bounce around on a second unit and sure. kind of captain your your group off the bench maybe uh but yeah i don't know i personally i think they they were they were playing okay with them in the starting lineup and felt like they made a change for to make a changes sake um they, even though they were winning games and now that he's not playing they haven't been winning games so i don't know maybe, maybe they maybe they're the ones who actually give him a shot out there uh, well, your team, the Celtics, and we know Jalen Brown is is not getting moved, or most likely, I guess, never say never in the NBA. All it takes is one phone call, but it would seem unlikely that he's a player that gets moved. But Dennis mm-hmm. Schroeder, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for them to move him, but he can also mm-hmm. help them right now. If the return isn't good enough, they can just say, no, there's more value in just keeping him for the remainder of the season than what we'd be getting back in trade. Yeah. Do you see them making a move? Yeah, I think this is one where it'll come down to where are they sitting on February 10th at, on trade deadline day. If they're a, if they've gotten through this, you know, really rough December schedule uh, over the next month and a half here, and they're feeling really good that, you know what, where we get through that, we're in this thing where it looked like we can maybe make some noise in the playoffs. You just keep them and let it play out and see where it goes. If you're not in that position and you're kind of sitting there like, yeah, it's, you know, is it going to change anything for us materially if mm-hmm. we we trade him? Then I think you you do look. It's again you're not getting back a massive return package. What you would kind of be hoping for, which feels a little gross, is that somebody has a major injury at the point guard position, and then you can be like, hey, you know, five point nine million. You, well, what do you think? Pretty easy. You know, give us something good, and then then off you go with that. But so I, I think he is the most likely Celtic to be traded. Yeah. Um, I just don't know that he gets traded. I'll say the the other two guys on my list for Boston that I think are more likely. And I'm going to have a piece coming on Celtics blog hopefully later today uh, that really goes in depth on this stuff is uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez just because he's a de facto expiring deal. And I think um, that becomes the tax avoidance move if they can pull it off. Uh, and I think um, uh, Josh Richardson, I think, is a guy who who could get moved if, if a team is looking for some wing help and the Celtics like hey we can kind of do this but again that that move would have to come if it's we're pivoting towards our we want to get more experience for our young players off the bench right yep that makes sense um to talk to my team the the lakers i mean they've got a lot of guys on veteran minimums those guys would just be mm-hmm. throw-ins in a deal really it comes down to taylor horton tucker that's the that's the piece they would have to put in just about any move that they were going to make i know people have talked you know russell westbrook but it's pretty unlikely that that happens given the size of his salary again we've mm-hmm. never we've seen contracts in the nba where we've said this is untradeable and then it winds up getting traded so i'm not going to say he's just there's sure. no chance but i'd say it's very unlikely that he gets traded but Taylor Horn Tucker is the piece to watch. That's a guy that could potentially get moved. And like I said, if let's say they want to go get Miles Turner or something like that. And the Pacers really want 
something back in return. Like Taylor Horton Tucker would have to be in it logistically just from a contract mm -hmm. standpoint. And I'm just using Turner as an example. Just about anybody that they even wanted to get in range of, you would need his $9.5 million. So that's the guy yep. to keep an eye on uh, is Taylor Horton Tucker for the Lakers and then as well as the salary of Kendrick Nunn, though he hasn't played at all yet this season due to a bone bruise in his knee. So, But THG is the most likely piece on the Lakers to get moved. I wouldn't say it's likely he gets traded. The Lakers like him a lot. And I think he's going to be fairly polarizing around the NBA. Some teams will like him a lot. Some teams might not be quite as high on him. So I don't think you're going to see consistent value around the league on him. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will say yeah. to a couple things, just it's, yeah, it's that Horton Tucker none combo that gets you to about uh, 18 million or so in a matching salary in a trade. So that's kind of your upper bound there. Yeah, you could throw on one of the minimum guys who makes the 1.7 million or so and or two of those guys that becomes more of a roster spot issue yep. than it is a you know salary match issue because just not a lot of teams are in position to do a three or four for one kind of trade. And I will say this with Westbrook. This one feels a little bit to me like nothing's going to happen this year. It's just it's just too too hard to to move a number that big this year. That also is a huge admission of all right. This doesn't we work. Up. We yeah. blew it. But I think what you do we we see this all the time. The Mike Conley trade to Utah is the most famous example of this. It got really close at the trade deadline the year before he actually got moved to the Jazz, mm -hmm. and they just couldn't get there in part because he made thirty million dollars and it was too hard to move that that salary that big. So I do wonder if this is the Lakers, if they they are. Right, we're going to move on from Russell Westbrook. I've said it a million times. Next year's an expiring contract becomes far more movable. And for anybody saying, well, maybe he won't opt in. It, let's get yeah. played in reality world for a little while. Worst fantasy land. I mean, we said the same thing with Chris Paul, but that was a but fairly that, specific situation. Exactly. So, and, and he got his money anyway. Absolutely. So, exactly. Now, I think what you're looking at with Russell is maybe the Lakers set the groundwork for a trade. That then we see in July, where it's all right. We've 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 got things kind of worked out here. It's just we can't do it this year, but maybe because of roster spots and all these other things. But then in July, we we've kind of already found our home for him. So maybe that's where it goes um, with, with this one. But I also don't want to go too crazy because he's playing better. The team is starting to play a little bit yep. better. Um, so I don't I, I don't even know that if that's overly likely now. Does that is this a blip or is it a you know going to continue? We'll, we'll we'll see you know where where this all goes. But um, you know as long, as long as Austin Reeves is isn't traded, then I think all is right in Lakers world. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Austin Austin Reeves <laughs> is now a now a treasure and must be protected at all costs. So yes, I I don't see Austin Love Reeves that. getting traded. But uh, at any but let's let's finish up though with and by the way, I feel like we should mention Phoenix because they're in the mix there. Utah will get very close to getting something done now that they've got Danny Ainge. Uh, but not actually pull the trigger. Um, <laughs> Phoenix. I, I can laugh at that. Now. I know. Now, now it's okay. No, the Suns, maybe if they, if they do make a move, it's just something around the fringes. Their chemistry has been so strong. I don't see sure. them making a big move. But, uh, but the team I really wanted to get to was the Golden State Warriors because you've got two guys with some value that are young and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. We can Maybe we take the reports that they're not moving James Wiseman as, as true on, on face value. But... The Warriors seem primed to be a team that could make a move that will, even though they're already uh, one of the best teams in the Western Conference, record-wise, mm -hmm. they are the best, um, they could make a move that would 
push them to being the clear elite team there if something like that becomes available. So that's why I think they deserve a mention. Yeah, I think the Warriors, Suns, Jazz kind of arms race here is going to be interesting mm-hmm. to watch play play out. Um, I just I, I think those three teams have kind of separated themselves as as three of the best teams in the league, not not just in their conference, but in the entire NBA. I think Utah would love to add another player if they could. Their problem is going to be. In order to do it, it's going to cost them a member of their core group, yeah. and I'm just not sure that they, they want to do that. Whereas, like you said, the Warriors, even if they wanted to go to Wiseman and trade him, that's $9 million of salary that you've got nothing out of right now. So you're not even losing anything to give it up. Whereas if you're the Jazz, to get to meaningful matching salary, you're going to give up a contributor and that's kind of the problem with the Suns right. too the Suns one kind of ace in the hole is Dario Sarge you've got his contract sitting there so yeah I think those three teams I'm curious this could be one too where maybe one of these three moves a little early uh you know maybe we see one of those late December early January trades mm-hmm. where it's We've got our eyes on somebody. We want to get them before the other side does. Um, uh, did that's something I've kind of get, got my eyes on there. I, th- I think that could be could be kind of interesting. The, again, though, the challenges we've said, and, I, and I'm not trying to be a wet blanket, is there's just not that many sellers yet. Right. We there, there will be. Well, we'll get closer to that. But this advent of the play in has really changed the math for a lot of these teams on whether or not they want to sell. Like I use the Kings as the example yep. there. For the Kings, in a normal year, the Kings are 12 and 17. If this was a regular year, they'd be, all right, the West is down a little, but two and a half out of the the, the eighth seed. Now that we've got the play-in, I think the Kings are all, they've got to almost take the approach of, let's try to get into the play-in. Let's not, you know, be content to just sit back and be one of these uh, teams that's definitely in the lottery. Let's try to get into the play in and really, uh, you know, try to do something there. So I think that becomes a, a thing where if you're, you're the Kings, it's, that's the hope you can sell to your, your fans. And you don't want to turn around and trade, say Harrison Barnes, key rotation player, because, well, you know, Hey, but we got these draft picks or this kid who's going to help us, you know, two years down the line. Cause I think Kings fans are like, we, we've been two years down the line for, you know, but, decade and a half like yeah. we've got to get you know we've got to get some positive momentum so that's that's where i just think things have changed a little bit because like the, the pacers a little different story in the east we know what's going on there but like the knicks good example right normally they'd be a team you'd start to look and say yeah, if the slide continues they're probably out of it but i don't know that they can slide enough to fall more than a handful of games out, out of the play-in tournament by the time you get there and i think there are teams that are looking at it and saying hey we went in the play-in we get into that and then get in as the seventh or eighth seed. We feel pretty good about our shot, you know, moving forward. So I, that, that, that's just the, the math has changed a little bit, but we'll get a couple more sellers added in there. Agreed. Yeah. Like if we were talking, you know, Kings, like the first name that popped into my head was the Warriors, Suns, Jazz. One of those teams should make a move for Harrison Barnes to try to go sure. ahead and go add that piece. But again, yeah. if the Kings aren't selling, if they're not in seller's mindset, then mm-hmm. that changes things. Right now, I'm looking. I see six teams that are very clearly at this point in the season yep. should be in sell mode. And that's the Pacers, the Magic, exactly Pistons, the Rockets, yeah. the Pelicans, and the Thunder. Those three teams <laughs> yep. are in each conference should be in seller mode. Everybody else can at least talk themselves into, hey, we could be a play-in tournament team. Mm-hmm. But as we get closer to February, that very, may very well change and will. It, it will. As we get closer to February, yeah. things will settle a bit more and we'll have a better sense of who is truly out of it. And I think you have different approaches to that too. If you're Portland, 
you better not be content with just being fighting for the play in. Mm -hmm. Cause if you are, you've made a major mistake. If you're still sitting towards the bottom there, no, you gotta, you, you gotta, you, you gotta sell. You, you gotta start moving some pieces and and tell Damian Lillard, hey, remember how the Warriors fell out for a year or two? Like we may fall out, but we'll 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 get back. You know, with this. So yeah, I think think you have to look at that. If you're them, if you're the the Raptors, I think Masai Ujiri is smart enough to know, like, uh, let's not not uh, we don't need to push the tenth seed in the play in. You know, if it's better for us to fall back a little and move, uh, you know, Pascal Siakam, if we could, or something like that, that that may be the direction to go. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to to wrap things up, everybody. Longer episode than usual today, but you know what happens once we start talking trade. Please let us know in the comments <laughs> down below your thoughts. Is there somebody that we forgot to put in there or didn't put in that you think is going to be moved? Let us know your thoughts on this situation. If you're, again, watching the YouTube version of this, don't forget, subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. If you listen to the podcast version, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and certainly give us that rating and review as well. Till next time, everybody. I will say this. Oh, yeah. Give me give me one second. I will yep. say this real quick. It is just about to turn 12 noon Eastern. So you can thank Trevor and I for whatever happens in the next 15 to 20 minutes because that's <laughs> how it goes. We, we we hang up. We say our goodbyes. And then news breaks, usually just as I'm about to start eating lunch or that's something right. like that. Yesterday so, uh, it was the Danny Ainge thing. So who knows exactly. what it's going to be today. Now, we'll say it's not that we haven't realized, like, well, maybe we should go a little later. It doesn't no, matter. No, what we've realized is it doesn't matter. Yeah. Every time we stop recording, <laughs> within 15 minutes after, some news comes out. So big news coming in T-minus 15 minutes from 15 right now. So, yep, so 12, 15 Eastern time, guys. Get ready. <laughs> some sort of big news is coming. All right. Yep. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Till next time. See ya. And stay